It's the Full Court Press with Eric Franson and Jason Walker. Welcome back to the, uh, you know, to the to the show that we're doing right now. Following the local teams, breaking down the biggest games with in-depth analysis and team interviews. There's going to be much higher expectations, sense of awareness of what uh, we bring to the table. Join the show by calling into 435-752-1069 or text 435-339-0321. It's the Full Court Press. Gross. Yes! Caught! Touchdown! They did it! Hey, what's going on, everybody? Eric Franson and Jason Walker here on the Full Court Press. 1069 FM, 1390 AM, the fan, and we'd love to hear from you also. 435-339-0321 to chime in on the Full Court Press text line. Utah State with a nice win over the weekend. Ugly, but beautiful. <laughs> they got the win despite all of the drama and adversity stacked against them. Uh, good win for Utah State football. Uh, we've got the uh, uh, high school football uh Playoff situation now is uh, has been made clear with the final RPI and the playoff pairings announced over the weekend. We'll discuss that this hour. Girls soccer playoffs also. What happened over the weekend and who's advanced to continue on in the uh, semifinals this week. We are guaranteed a Region 11 team in the championship game for girls soccer from Region 11. Uh, and Utah Jazz making some cuts and uh, making some news uh, as well, in fact, just to, uh, within the last little bit here, Tony Jones from The Athletic reporting that Utah Jazz will not sign Nikhil Alexander-Walker to a rookie extension, and that means that he will be a restricted free agent this summer. Uh, and um, Really, this is a big, big year for him, whether he's going to make it in the NBA or really not. I mean, he might end up on somebody else's roster, but this is a... Uh, this is an important season for him to make a difference if he's going to be an NBA player. Yeah, if he doesn't make the rotation and do something, he'll probably end up washing out. Um, this is, you know, when you end up on a bad team, you know, in a situation like this, you know, a rebuilding team where you're just kind of roster filler, then, you know, that's usually your last legs. Uh, so unless he makes the most of it, this could be his last season, maybe catches on with a training camp roster deal, at the beginning of next year, and then gets cut. But as I, I hope he succeeds, and so I hope he'll he'll do something this year and keep his career going, even if it's likely as a journeyman. But obviously, not signing to him, him to an extension was <laughs> that was always going to be the case. Yeah, that that's not like a out of left field revelation. I it's mean, like, that's pretty much expected. It's like, and our next story: water is wet. <laughs> Yes. Now, but the Jazz did make some cuts. Now, we talked about this, that they're, they had a very big roster. And a lot of NBA teams you know, have, carry extra guys during training camp, and then they have to trim it down. Uh, and Utah did the same. But the real question was, who would get cut? Because this is a team with a lot of guys trying to, trying to make it. Guys trying to fill multiple roles, try to be versatile in how they can help the team. Utah looking at guys who can play... And, uh, and and develop and uh, get them to where they want to go as a franchise. Um, and it's kind of that stage where you look at the, the team has to admit 
we made some mistakes earlier or we took a chance on somebody and gosh, it just didn't turn out. And, uh, and, or we brought somebody on a training camp to fill a need. They fulfilled that need. And now we move on. And it's almost that way for each of the guys who were ended up getting cut for the Utah jazz. And I think the biggest one for me was uh, Jared Butler jazz uh, moving on from Jared Butler, the guard from Baylor who, I had a lot of high hopes for that this could be somebody who would develop into a rotational-type role for the Jazz, but he just never had that consistency to break through and, and help the Utah Jazz. Yeah, and I thought there was steel potential, and I thought he had maybe the potential to become a you know lower-level starting point guard in the NBA. As you said, it just didn't work out. His game, I mean, when you looked at the positives on his uh, – on his draft profile, when you watched him play, it's like this guy's strengths are just playing basketball. His weaknesses were he's a little smaller, didn't have a great wingspan, uh, had some health issues that were a bit of a scare that probably led to him dropping more than uh, people were expecting. So I'm certainly disappointed because I had some high hopes. Um, I was thinking to maybe keep him and maybe I like Butler a little more than I like Leandro Bulmero. Balmero has more versatility. He's a bigger guy. Yeah, and when I watched Balmero playing in the summer, I, uh, I I couldn't help but think about comparing him to Butler. In fact, they were on the court at the same time in some preseason games. Who brought up the ball? Who initiated the offense? It wasn't Butler. It was Balmero. Balmero's bigger. He's lengthier. Um, I think that, that he fits what the Utah Jazz want with the guard. A little bit more than Butler. I think Utah was trying to see if Butler could fill more of a scoring role, but he just was so inconsistent with his outside shot that he just wasn't as reliable. I'll tell you what, something with Jared Butler, I know this is what everyone thought of, because I think back to the last few drafts where the Jazz really just laid some eggs. Not so much this most recent draft. They didn't really, They didn't have any picks, so... Whatever. Yeah. And and that was the result of some trades which may not have worked out, but that I'm not that mad about. You know, the Mike Conley trade didn't work out, but whatever. They tried. You swung, you struck out, at least you swung. Um, but with Jared Butler, you know, and then also with Yudoka Azubuki, we for years were pointing out the fact that the Jazz needed some good wings, 3 and D wings, defensive, versatile guys. It's the way the NBA's been going for a while. You need wings. Versatile players play multiple positions, guard multiple positions. Yeah, and that's what the Jazz didn't have. They had an all-NBA center, you know, a 7'2 Gobert, and everybody else was like 6'5 and under, except, you know, Bogdanovich. Um, And when that was the need, who did the Jazz go after? They needed wings, and what did they draft? They drafted another center <laughs> with a 7-7 seven, seven wingspan. They just about monopolized the number of guys in the NBA with 7-7 seven, seven wingspans or higher. And then a year later, in, in that, that draft when there were some wings available, uh, I don't know if McDaniels was available. In the, actually, they might have been available. They could have gotten Jaden McDaniels. They could have gotten Desmond Bain. I think there was another guy. And then the in the draft when they... In, in an offseason, it's worse because in the offseason when they drafted Jared Butler, the team was, like, putting out 
into the media, into the, into the sphere, like leaking it out, saying, oh, the Jazz are going to go after wings. They're going to get defensive, versatile wings. And they're putting it out there, this story to try and, you know, satiate the fans who are asking for this. Well, who do they draft? Not Herbert Jones, who became one of the better defensive, you know, rookie defensive wings in a long time, was like just about starting for a playoff team in the Pelicans, or Pelicans made, they were a bubble team. I can't remember if they actually made the playoffs. No, they didn't. Yeah, so you know, Herb Jones was a really good defender. They could have used him. Could have been a rotation guy, kind of like Royce O'Neal was a rotation guy early on in his career as an undrafted guy. And so they could have drafted Herb Jones. There, there's I think one of the guy who's maybe kind of decent in the range where the Jazz could have picked, but no, they traded back and drafted a guard, a short guard, <laughs> who didn't uh. play. And it's like, what are you doing? It just goes to be one of the failures of the Jazz. Because if the Jazz end up drafting Jaden McDaniels and Herb Jones with those two draft picks, we're probably not talking about a tanking season. We'd probably be talking about the Jazz starting another round of trying to contend for the finals. And it's just these small things, you know, the history, the fate of teams turns on a dime a lucky pick you know in picking the late round it's hard to find that guy because there's one guy in like a 20 pick stretch and you're not always the team that that wins the lottery there Mm -hmm. but it was the fact that the jazz didn't even try to draft for what they needed and and they went all in on two positions that they already had strengths in and then they didn't need and there were guys who were never going to play anyway they just mailed in the draft yeah, surprised by that, and just uh, um, I guess disappointed too. Just uh, the the development um, or, or lack thereof. Um, but uh, you know, there because Trent Forrest, I thought it was he showed more promise than Butler, but because they drafted Butler, it's like they had to, they were committed to. Well, we got to try to make this work, and they let Trent Forrest go. Now Trent Forrest was better at attacking the rim. And I, I felt better at on-ball defense and kind of initiating the offense. He did not have a good outside shot, and that really worked against him. If he could develop that more consistently, then Butler would have been cut a year ago. Yeah. Well, Trent Forrest would be a starting point guard in the NBA if he can shoot a three. Yeah. It, it's the thing that made him closer to unplayable despite his many strengths. Now, Stanley Johnson, I liked his defensive uh, kind of approach to the game. A little surprised that they let him go uh, with a team that doesn't have a lot of strong defenders on it. I thought he would have been a good addition to help them with some of those uh, components. But then again, I'm not so sure how important defense is really going to be to this team this year. Well, when they first brought Stanley Johnson on, I thought you know some of the things things you were saying were like they don't have a lot of guys, especially a lot of forwards. That was in the bottom line. I was like, okay, now they've kind of got a, a forward where they had basically nobody. Well, after they brought in Johnson, I believe Larry Markinen came in afterward. Uh, I think Simone Fontecchio came in afterward. Ochag Baji came in afterwards. That's so true. Stanley came into a void, and then that void got filled by other people, and that made Johnson a little more expendable. Uh, that's true. Um and then Zeller, I mean, he had one game, a stretch of one game where he did something, and then that's... Yeah, he was a camp deal. He was always going to get cut. Yeah. It's just, But what I saw in the preseason, 
Um, I really like Laurie uh, Markkinen. He's a nice player. Um, it looks like Jordan Clarkson has been utilized as a starter for most of the games that I've seen. Don't know if that will continue to be the case. Um, Colin Sexton still has a ways to go. He's not back to his form where he was before his injury. But, um, yeah, you know, Walker Kessler, been impressed with him so far. But, again, it's preseason. <laughs> so there's only so much stock you can put into what you actually see in these games. Yeah, it's tricky. We'll see how Kessler does in real environments. But I do think Markkinen will be for real. I, w- I was filling out a form for, like, kind of my predictions for uh, SLC Dunk, who I've done some writing for. And, and one of the questions was, who's going to be the leading scorer for the Jazz? I labored over that question for a while, and I think I ended up giving a wrong answer because, like, the second I sent it in, I was like, eh, that was probably the wrong idea. I chose Colin Sexton mainly because I was – when he first came in, I thought, okay, he's going to be the leading scorer. And I kind of went against the trends we've had in the preseason, which probably should have given me a clue that maybe it was going to be Markkinen or Jordan Clarkson. I didn't want to put Conley because I'm not sure he's going to stay the whole year, but <laughs> – Kind of shows there's a lot of different guys who could end up leading the team in scoring and in being like the guy in this kind of lost season. Yeah, it's unfortunate because it'll be a season we forget. But there's somebody on this roster is going to have the best year of their career. Yeah, and somebody's going to get noticed and have an opportunity to get a bigger, longer contract yeah. because of the extra playing time. Uh, I think that Friday's game against Dallas was really a microcosm of what we're going to see for the season: competitive through three quarters, some fun basketball up and down the court. But ultimately, when it comes to the fourth quarter, opposing teams are going to have closers in there, and they'll separate, and Utah just won't be able to hang with them. Because when I look at the Utah roster, right now I don't see a closer. I don't see somebody that um, when you're in the clutch, you know you can rely on. Uh, Clarkson, maybe. Yeah, Clarkson's about the closest I'd come to saying that. But even then, he's a little unreliable. Yeah, just because he uh, he gets going and becomes a bit of a black hole. Yeah, he's hot or not, that's his problem. Yes, yes. Because he'll make those crazy shots, and it, they're the kind of shots that maybe a closer would make, but I don't know, he's never been in that role where he's been the guy late in the game. He's usually been a support, and that's he, he has closed out games, but he was closing them out alongside like Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley and, and, uh, and Boyan Bogdanovich, so it's like... He wasn't the only guy who out, out there who could score. Defense has had respect a lot of other guys on the court. Yeah, so it could be tricky. Um, but yeah, I, I'm really excited to see this team in terms of their offensive potential. Once they get things going, I don't know if they're going to be super good offensively, but they will have nights. Yeah. And like I said, there's, there's a chance at some point in the season where they get hot they could break the single-game record for the franchise in terms of three-pointers made. Uh, getting to our text line, 435-339-0321 if you want to weigh in. 9952 on this topic says, Do you think Butler got a decent chance to prove himself? Quinn Snyder was very set in his rotation and rarely changed. Yeah, I don't think he really got a chance. Like so when, they, when they drafted him, I thought, okay, maybe they'll try and work him into a backup position. But even then, you had... Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell, two starters who were going to get 30-plus minutes. Jordan Clarkson was going to get another 27. It's like, okay, where are the minutes after that? There weren't any. And 
Trent Forrest got ended up getting some of those backup minutes when there was need. And so Jared Barlow just wasn't developed. He wasn't given a chance. It's kind of, again, it feeds to the frustration that even though I liked Jared Butler, it ends up being a bad pick for a lot of reasons. You drafted a guy you didn't need, that you didn't have room for, and you weren't going to develop. Why didn't you just sell the pick if you weren't going to do anything with it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the, the Udoku one is still the biggest head-scratcher of all. Yeah, that one is just an idiot general manager, or I should say a general manager having an idiot moment and just falling in love again with one archetype of player. I mean, he loved seven-footers with seven-seven wingspans, couldn't escape them. Despite seeing the N- the NBA was changing and evolving. Yeah. yeah. And, like, from what reports, it's like everyone was telling him, draft, you know, the Jaden McDaniels or the – or the so-and-so. It's, again, it's not so much the bad pick. It's the context and the fact that everyone knew who they should have picked. <laughs> uh, 2947. Old news, I know, but what are your thoughts on the Boyan trade? I didn't really get it. Seems to me Bogey was way more valuable than what we got, and if we kept him, we could still make the playoffs. Seems like we want to make sure we're terrible when we could still rebuild off a somewhat playoff mediocre team. It it feels like a combination of Brad's or it's not Brad Stevens. Danny Ainge still loves Kelly Olynyk, and also wanted to make sure the Jazz were tanking. Uh, yeah, I think it's a combination of a few things. Needing a, a stretch five, which they still didn't really have on the roster. Well, they needed a center at all. Well. True. Somebody with some experience. Their, their two centers were rookie Walker Kessler and uh, an injured Udoku. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, you need somebody out there who can yes. play center. I think that was important. Um, but I also think it was look, Boyan had an expiring contract, was an attractive player um, to have on a roster who's been rebuilding and has been competing. But uh, it, at the same time, look, I'm of the mentality that can you rebuild but still stay competitive i think you can but it's it's challenging because of what they need in the draft and having boyan on your roster probably meant you were going to be a play-in team um not having him on your roster means you can develop your younger players more and you're going to have a favorable draft position so here's the thing on like rebuilding and staying competitive but also rebuilding you have to get lucky as heck to pull that off. You know how the Jazz did it? They lucked into Donovan Mitchell at 13, oh, yes. and they way lucked into Rudy Gobert at 27. That doesn't happen. The Jazz are still in the 7-10 to 10 range. Like, that's why. And so when people are saying, like, the Jazz will put out this narrative, and they even get, you know, some lackeys in the media to put this narrative out there for them, that they need to stay competitive, they need to establish winning culture, and we can't tank, and the Jazz can never admit they're tanking anyway, so in that way I don't blame them for putting out this narrative, but all this stuff about always staying competitive, always pushing for the playoffs, always trying to win, but you have to have the right players. And in terms of just odds and likelihood, you're more likely to find those franchise-changing players higher in the draft. So you get them higher in the draft. This isn't like the NFL where you can find you know franchise-changing players anywhere in the first round and sometimes even to rounds two and three, depending on the position. 
Yeah. Like, you look at all the greatest quarterbacks. So many of them were drafted, like, the middle of the first round. The Ben Roethlisberger's. And a lot of them tended to gravitate toward the top of the draft. You know, Patrick Mahomes at, like, 10. Tom Brady way in the sixth round. Joe Montana was, like, a second or third round pick, I think. I can't remember exactly when he was drafted, but it wasn't the first round. Um, Aaron Rodgers, end of the first round. So this isn't like the NFL where you can find talent in a lot of places in the draft. In the NBA, they're all at the front. The LeBron James, the Luka Doncic. That's why I say Giannis. Giannis was kind of an exception in that way. Yeah. Because there are exceptions. But just so many of the players are way high in the draft. And so it's either play for the luckiest you know draft pick in the world where you land a Giannis at 15 or a Rudy Gobert at 27, which, I mean, Rudy Gobert at 27 didn't even work. Or Jokic, deep. Yeah, Jokic in the second round. He's the only MVP out of the second round in league history. Yeah, it's extremely so, – you can't count on it. Yeah, right. so try and pray for that kind of luck. Or you can go for the best odds and try and find the player. The Dallas Mavericks turned things around when they got Luka Doncic. The Cavaliers turned things around when they got LeBron James. You know, And there's other franchises that have finally turned things around when they get that top pick. So you go for those top picks. So, again, you can play for the stupidly lucky chance of getting a decent player in the 13-plus range, or you can be bad and play at the odds of getting a generational player. At the same time, you have to be careful that um, you're not creating a culture of, of tanking. I think the NBA has improved that with kind of flattening the way that works for getting at those early picks, uh, you only get a 14% pick or a 14% chance that you get the number one pick if you are the worst team. And so they're, the odds of one, two, and three are about the same. And so I, I appreciate the, what the NBA is trying to do there um, where you can develop your players, but you're not doing whatever it takes to race to the bottom. Yeah, and you don't want to race to the bottom because that's bad basketball. It's bad for the fans. It's bad for the brand. It's bad for the team. The strategic tanking where you sell all your players and try and build something, and you know the Jazz are going to try and create a fun but bad team, and I kind of like that. So you can get the best of both worlds, entertain but also get what we want, which is a good draft pick. Right. You want to see the development. You want yeah. to see guys getting opportunities. You want to see that there's a future with what's going on right now. Yeah. And you want to try to land like the top five pick. Because usually in the draft, superstars at the top, and then it really drops off. Once you get to five or six, you're starting to get into maybe they're going to be all-stars, but they're probably just going to be solid players. Except for, you know, there's usually one or two guys in late lottery who end up being really good players. It's kind of tricky to do that. But as far as, you know, you look at some teams that are perpetuating the lottery, and these are the people, the teams that people point to and say, well, we don't want to become like them. We don't want to be like the Kings or you know the Timberwolves for years um, where they're like maybe just barely coming out of it. And just other teams, they say, well, the reason those teams are stuck in the lottery constantly is because they have sucky management. Like, right. the players usually aren't the problem for them. It's that they're terrible at doing their jobs. Right. They don't assemble teams around the talent that they eventually acquire yeah and it's like well no let's just keep on developing young talent yeah so if you do good you know when the warriors got steph curry and the mavs got luka Doncic, and the and the hawks are kind of trying to do with trey young and they're sort of succeeding and you know other teams where they you know the wolves finally are building around carl anthony towns when you're doing all that and you actually build around the talent you get 
then you can actually, you know, utilize that superstar power. Now, the, the Suns, they eventually built around Devin Booker. Yeah. So it's like, if you don't mismanage your talent, then you're going to get out of the lottery. So when you're saying, oh, we're going to become like the Kings. Well, if your general manager's stupid, yeah, you'll become like the Kings. <laughs> Otherwise, you'll do fine once you get that really good player you can build around them. Uh, speaking of the Kings, they did let go of Sam Merrill. Unfortunately, he did get cut. Um, unknown at this point if he's going to end up in the G League or if he's going to try to pursue opportunities overseas. Um, but um, I think my hunch is that if he couldn't make a team this year, then he's probably not going to be able to make a team. Um, so yeah, I, I'd say go overseas. You can make some good money over there, and he'll probably have opportunity with the way that they play. But um, Yeah, getting cut by the Grizzlies for me, that was basically, uh, that signaled the end of his career Yeah, in the NBA. Unfortunate. Uh, 5879, uh, texting in. Uh, we got a few other texts that have come in as well. We'll get to those. We've got to take a quick timeout on the full court press. If you want to text in, 435-339-0321 here on the full court press. What's more important than sleep? Granted, some things are, but not many. This is Ryan at My Mattress, and here we offer the best solution to better sleep, a better mattress. Intellibet, the gel mattress, cradles your hips and shoulders while providing the best back support possible. Or come in and choose a Tempur-Pedic that boasts 93% of their owners love their bed. My Mattress, offering the best sleep possible by the South Walmart. Fall is in the air and it's getting colder. Make sure your vehicle is well-maintained. Valvoline Instant Oil Change in Logan across from Angie's can help. As the weather turns colder, your car needs more babying and an oil change is easy. They'll change your oil and also check other fluid levels and replace your air filters if needed. The best thing, you can stay in your car while their trained professionals service your vehicle. Valvoline Instant Oil Change, 695 North Main, open seven days a week. Hey, it's Jackson with Mountain West Motor. We love the Cache Valley. Thank you for all of your support since we opened in February. Every one of our rigs is built for your adventure. We invite you to stop by at 615 North Main when thinking about a new rig. At Mountain West Motor, we have Ford Broncos, Ram TRXs, but also keep in mind we have great price point rigs starting at 20K. Check our website for current inventory and pricing at mwmotor.com. And for news and events, follow us on Instagram at mwmotor.co. Mountain West Motor, built for your adventure. Did you know that we have the largest appliance parts inventory in northern Utah and southern Idaho? If you're a handy person and need a part to finish your repair, chances are we have that part in stock and at a competitive price. Hi, I'm Jeff, a manager here at Daryl's, your one-stop appliance shop for sales, service, and parts. Serving all of northern Utah and southern Idaho for over 52 years, Daryl's, west on Airport Road, open until 6 on weekdays and 5 p.m. on Saturdays. Hey, Aggie fans! Looking for the best burger in town? Bring the family to Prodigy Brewing and try out our signature Prodigy Supreme Burger or a wood-fired pizza. Need a smaller plate for the kids? Our kids' menu has you covered. Whether you are out with the family or just want to catch the Aggies game with friends, Prodigy Brewing is the place to be in Cache Valley, located at 25 West Center Street in beautiful downtown Logan. 
Aegis Home Health and Hospice loves helping the people they serve. Aegis is a home health and hospice organization that lives by core values of character, experience, and trust. Every day, Aegis' goal is to help you with whatever your health care needs are and to do it wherever you need us to. Aegis, A-E-G-I-S, Aegis Home Health and Hospice. Call 723-9000 or find them at myagis.com. Breaking down the biggest games with in-depth analysis and team interviews. It's the Full Court Press with Eric Franson and Jason Walker. Eric France and Jason Walker here on the Full Court Press. 435-339-0321. Chime in on the old Full Court Press text line. 9176. At least Merrill can look at his championship ring when he gets down. He'll yeah. always have that. None of us have one of those. That's true. Look what you can buy the replica ones, or well, you could for a while, I think. I think they ran out of the football ones you could buy a replica of couple texts in regard to Utah State football, 5879. What do you say? What the heck? <laughs> uh, for not no, having... It's, it's what the... <laughs> yeah, that's more like it. Uh, for not having a targeting call on the Cooper Lega hit when he slid, is the conference going to review that one? I have not heard that they Isn't that are. just an unnecessary roughness one when you hit the quarterback when he slides? I don't know if it's targeting... Unless I don't remember if he don't did the whole head to helmet, helmet to thing. helmet, but it it you know that was something that uh, Coach Anderson Coach Anderson wasn't happy about. He was lighting into the ref in real time, and then he mentioned it uh, post game when he was talking about the uh, uh, Laga going out, where he, he thought it should have been a penalty because usually when you hit a quarterback when he slides, uh, it's a penalty. Yeah, should be. Although I thought it was interesting. I think it was. We were sitting here watching the game. I can't remember if you were there yet, but Ryan Bohm, he, uh, I think it was him. He said something about why quarterbacks slide at all because, like, you it's go an unnatural way. Yeah, yeah, and it like, and I, I'd never thought of this before. It was, it, it really kind of you know enlightened me. Where it's like, you go down, it's like, and a defender goes at you. Well, what's the defender going to end up hitting? Your head. Because you know, hands it's up, the missing, highest point. Yeah, yeah, hands up, missing the original target, which is you standing up. Now where's he going to land? He's going to land right on your head. It's like that is actually kind of interesting. It's like should they dive forward? Should they do a weird roll thing? Which of course when you do that, there may be other potential injuries. Um, you know, going shoulder to shoulder is iffy because maybe you hurt your shoulder. Although running backs seem to do just fine. So it, it was interesting. Uh, interesting thought that Ryan brought up that I, I'd never considered before. Oh, and Davenport after the game. Talked about actually mentioned that like he doesn't like sliding. He'd yeah. rather go forward. Most most quarterbacks don't like sliding. And yeah, the first time that Davenport hit somebody, I was like, okay, this dude's a buck eighty. <laughs> like he might be a buck eighty. Like I looked him on the sideline when they first showed him. I was like, holy cow, feed that guy about a half dozen sandwiches. <laughs> like now <laughs> he needs to put some weight on. Uh, Five eight seven nine also adds the game in Laramie is going to be really tough. If we have Cooper, we'll win. If we don't, it's a toss up. See, I think it's a bit of a toss-up. If we have Cooper, it's a real worry if he's not there. Unless, okay, and, and the key is, if they can run the ball against Wyoming, then they have every chance to win. But if they can't run the ball, then quarterback's got to make something happen. Yes. And Cooper has the best chance to make it happen through the air. 
maybe if Levi ends up starting, he can maybe make something happen in the run game on his own. But then that goes back to if you run the ball, you win. Right. And on a on a bad ankle, how much can you really stick your foot in the ground? Yeah. And just depends make on how move. it just depends on how bad that ankle was. But normally, like if it's a not so bad one, like I said, I fell down the stairs a couple months ago and I rolled my ankle. I walked that off by the end of the day. But I wasn't really limping that bad. But when Levi was out there, he was limping hard. And he's a Division One athlete. I'm just a fat guy who does a radio <laughs> show. There's a big difference there. So if it was affecting him that bad, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, also, 5879 added, D played lights out. And they right. did. That Utah State defense um, came up big. Yeah. Big moments. Yeah. One takeaway, even though, you know, should have been a pick six, but. A lot of other things happened there. Yeah. But in uh, difficult situations a lot and only gave up six points on multiple short field opportunities for Colorado State. Yeah, once they got over their missed tackleitis, they definitely played really good. <laughs> uh, all right, another quick timeout here in the full court press. When we come back, uh, high school sports. we got some news for girls' soccer and uh, high school football as well with playoff pairings. Uh, the rankings are out, the final rankings and who's going to be playing where and kick times, as those have been confirmed today for what's going to be taking place on Friday for high school football. That's next here on the Full Court Press. This is Jarek with Jarek's Fine Jewelry. This October is our 14th year anniversary. So to celebrate, we want to treat you to an anniversary date. Make it a date night on us. Come engagement ring or anniversary ring shopping at Jarek's Fine Jewelry. We have thousands of designs to choose from, including the newest custom designs. With no strings attached and no purchase necessary, we will buy your dinner at Bloom Eatery. The entire month of October, come in ring shopping and Bloom is on us. Make date night special. Make it Jarek's. Advanced Heating and AC, the two-time gold medal winner in Best in Northern Utah. They're teaming up with Carrier Heating and Cooling. Carrier provides you the best furnace units available. And now's the best time to buy a new unit before the weather turns Cash Valley cold. Financing options are available. Turn to the experts at Advanced Heating and Carrier. Advanced Heating and Air Conditioning, 752-7272. Or stop by their showroom west of DI. And online at advancedheating-ac.com. We're not comfortable until you are Advanced Heating and Air. Don't get caught without power after a windstorm or a major winter freeze. Golden Spike Electric offers Generac backup generators so you can be prepared and keep your home warm while avoiding frozen pipes. Golden Spike Electric is one of the largest Generac dealers around, so you know it'll be installed right. Whether you're a homeowner or an electrician, contact Golden Spike Electric to rest easy the next time the power goes out. Online at gsegenerators.com or call 435-257-3016. They also service other models. This is The Herd. Attention listeners. With Colin Cowherd. Dak Prescott makes $40 million a year, and it cannot beat good teams since his rookie year. Here is Dak Prescott versus playoff teams in his career. 12-21. and 21. What is he, Kirk Cousins on Monday Night Football? Oh, wait. That's actually what I've compared him to the last two years. This is The Herd. Weekdays from 10 to 1 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Northern Utah and Southern Idaho's home for sports. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Hey, at Mountain West Motor, every truck and SUV is unique and has been customized, so you'll be ready for your next adventure. 
You'll be equipped with all the right gear, like traction boards, rooftop tents, racks, outdoor jacks, and a whole lot more. They're at 615 North Main in Logan, Mountain West Motor, or visit mwmotor.com. So, uh, one more text here about football for Utah State, and we'll shift to high school football. But 5374 texting in. I felt like Davenport came in and showed a lot of promise, lots of poise for virtually no snaps ever. Uh, great point. I mean, the fact that this guy, is, he has never had any reps with the first-team offense. And he came in there and he just playing football. Yeah, he's hardly had any reps w- reps with any offense. <laughs> First yeah. team, second team, third yeah, like, team, scout squad. Because Anderson was talking about the game was like he did drill work and he did routes against air, and that was it. And like he's been in the quarterback room and basically the equivalent of overhearing, you know, the game plan that everyone else is talking about, and that's the experience he had with this offense. And he came in and did that. Like I said, when I, when I was talking about overlooking his stat lines, like there's a real reason why you say this guy did great, given the situation. And he looks like he's got a good arm. He might. He's got a cannon. Like when when I first saw him throw a ball in in the fall camp, which those those were his most recent reps with any offense was a few snaps in fall camp. And when I saw him, I was like, holy cow. Dude's got the best arm on the team. <laughs> he probably does. Like he's got a freaking cannon attached to his arm. Like how fast that ball leaves. Like dang, son. Yeah. How does a man that small throw a ball that fast? Tight spiral. That's a good throw. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see what kind of minutes, if any, that he gets on on Saturday. But uh, until Cooper Legault clears concussion protocol and Levi Williams gets cleared to gets cleared from ankle move protocol. around from on his foot. <laughs> He's probably uh, got a boot on right now. Yeah, it's uh, Bishop, Bishop Davenport's team until further notice. Um, so there were let's start with the uh, girls soccer games. Uh, girls soccer playoffs underway. First games were Wednesday and then the uh, uh, the next round was on Saturday, the quarterfinals and um, and uh, that had a couple of our local teams hosting. Some teams had to go on the road, um, but um, actually, no, none of the Region of, Eleven teams had to go on the road. Not I mean, very far on I the mean, road. I guess, I guess two of them were technically on the road. But yes, they, they, stayed they stayed in, in the, the valley. valley. <laughs> That's true. Um, and uh, Jason, you were there for one of those games. Which game did you call? Yeah, I was uh, Ridgeline Skyview, and I tell you that game was way more exciting than I think I was expecting. Uh, of course, Ridgeline had won the two games between these two teams. They won them. 2-1 in, I think, 1-0. They're both a couple of close games. But I was thinking Ridgeland was going to come out with it. They were a good team. Uh, I know I had Nick Zollinger there. He has a daughter on the team who is one of the starters, uh, plays a lot at, uh, at the top of the formation. Um, and the thing is, Ridgeline controlled that game. Uh, if I had a possession clock, it probably would have showed Ridgeline about 65 70% of possession, which is an insane amount of possession. Um, they outshot Skyview, had more shots, shots on goal, um, but they just never put anything away. And then it went to overtime at 0-0 with 44 seconds left to go in the first overtime. Uh, Skyview, they they got the lucky goal. Um, it was Fonua was, was her last name. I think it was, I can't remember her first name, but she was the, the leading scorer for Skyview. Had 12 goals and five assists on the season. Added a 13th. 
and it was the golden goal. So it was, it's, it was an upset. Big upset. And so Skyview advances. They go to the semifinals, which will be at Juan Diego High School on Thursday. And they'll face a Snow Canyon team who beat Cedar 6-1 to on Saturday. Uh, but that's the later game. The earlier game will be another Region 11 rematch because Mountain Crest took care of Logan on, uh, on Saturday. That was uh, John Newbold and John Russell who called that game. Mountain Crest beat up on Logan 5 nothing, and they advanced. Uh, but they're going to face Green Canyon, who beat Desert Hills 2-1 to uh, in uh, North Logan. Desert Hills made the trip up here, but uh, Green Canyon sent them home. So it'll be Mountain Crest number one versus Green Canyon number four at 3 o'clock on Thursday at Juan Diego High School. And then at 5.30, or thereabouts, yeah. <laughs> depending how the first game goes, it'll be number seven, Skyview, uh, taking on number three, Snow Canyon. So we're guaranteed a Region 11 team in the championship game, which will be on Saturday at Zions Bank Stadium, which is in Harriman. That'll be Saturday at 11. Yeah, so some some good matchups, and I want to make sure I give credit to the Skyview players. Emilia Fonua, I can't guarantee I'm pronouncing it fully right, but she was a great player and had a really great game. So I wanted to make sure I get her name out there so you guys know this was the hero of the upset uh, of Skyview Ridgeline. But the the Mountain Crest, um, uh, oh, I guess I'll get to this. I should say 2361. I guess he uh, it took offense to me calling it a lucky goal. Um, said SV girls goal wasn't a lucky goal. And to that, I, I guess that's not the the best term, but when you're a team that's down that much possession, um. It's a goal against the grain. It's a goal against. Yeah, you know, I feel like there's there's a soccer term. I I'm suddenly can't remember it. But obviously, it was a very skilled goal. That's probably why you probably shouldn't call it a lucky goal because it was a very skillful goal. It was from like 35 yards out, placed perfectly underneath the crossbar. So it wasn't so much lucky. It was very skilled, but it was against the grain and just. Lucky in the sense that you probably shouldn't have won that game given the way Ridgeline was playing, you know, with the ball. So much of the attack was pressed on the other side of the field for so long. Yeah, so they're kind of lucky in, in that sense. But obviously, I, I should give credit to the fact that it was a very skilled goal, and I was floored with my socks. Like, saw the kicker, I was like, "Oh my gosh, oh winning!" <laughs> like, you're, you're watching in real time. I guess it, is it going to go under the bar? And the goalie's, you know, sprinting backwards, backpedaling as fast as she can to try and jump up there and tip it over the bar and just barely sneaks in under the crossbar over the glove of the keeper. Wow. So so uh, a couple of games on Thursday, championship game on Saturday for 4A girls soccer. For high school football, the final pairings and uh, rankings are out, which now means we know what the playoff pairings are going to look like. Ridgeline uh, had a moment where they were a number three seed but didn't last long. Uh, losing to Box Elder didn't help, but they ended up as a number four seed, the highest ranked team out of Region 11. Uh, they will host number 13, Pineview, and that game will kick off at 5 o'clock uh, in Millville. Uh, the next highest team in Region 11 would be Mountain Crest at number six, and it's going to be a repeat of a game just two weeks ago where Mountain Crest hosts Bear River. And uh, that'll be a, a 6 o'clock kickoff in Hiram because Bear River is a number 11 seed. 
And then Skyview at number seven, hosting Hurricane. That game, uh, Hurricane number 10, by the way, uh, that game's going to kick off at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, and then uh, Logan is at number nine seed, and they make the trip down to Cedar City to take on Cedar, and that game will kick off at 4. So we have a game that will start at 3, a game that will start at 4, a game that will start at 5, a game that will start at 6. Actually, two games that will start at 6. I forgot about Green Canyon. They're going to be at Snow Canyon, uh, and that will be a 6 o'clock kickoff in St. George. So two games at 6, a game at 3, 4, and 5. It's going to be a busy Friday. Yeah, we've got the whole thing lined up for you. You If you want to, you know, from 3 all the way until 8, 9 o'clock, you know, when the last game gets over, you can be following all these. Um, It'll be a little iffy since some of these are on the road. We won't have our normal broadcasters. Right, we're making arrangements so we will have those games available for local audiences on the radio and on Cash Valley Daily to watch. But don't be offended if it's not your normal people calling the games that are calling it for your team uh, because we're having some people in southern Utah who normally cover Region 10 uh, helping us out. I don't think anybody's going to be offended I'm not calling Logan because they're probably still getting over the fact that I'm not Al Lewis. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so well you know what they're they're helping us out and we're helping them out because we're sending them some feeds for some of their games up here as well so uh gonna be a very busy and uh, overlapping friday football uh here in uh throughout northern utah yeah well it's, it's gonna be a really exciting weekend because we got the girls soccer who's doing really well and i'm looking forward to that mountain crest green canyon game uh that should be really exciting and you know and then Maybe Skyview on the other end can keep pulling an upset, get an all-Region 11 championship. But then football, we're going to see if Region 11 can maybe overcome some of their own struggles and make a push where they're they're not getting a whole lot of love in the RPI. No. Uh, and really only one one matchup that's a, a Region 11 versus Region 11. And uh, interesting that it's one that just, just barely happened. Yeah, just barely <laughs> happened. And at the same place, too. Fresh on everybody's minds. All right, another time out here in the Full Court Press. Uh, when we come back, the first AP poll for men's basketball is out. Uh, anybody on the, from the Mountain West in that poll? We'll talk about that coming up next in the Full Court Press. Want to set yourself apart from the competition? A new leadership MBA at Utah State University will help you lead companies and drive change in your organization. You can attend in person in Logan on Thursday evenings or take online interactive classes. Complete your MBA in as little as a year. Apply before November 15th to be considered for a January start. Contact the MBA office for a waiver of the application fee. Learn more at utahstatemba.com. That's utahstatemba.com. It's game time, and you're in the locker room ready to take the field. But suddenly, you notice a player you don't recognize. He's wearing your team's jersey, and he even knows your name. But you've never seen him before now. Would you trust this stranger with your team's playbook? That's exactly how phishing scams work. And the first quarter of 2022 saw the highest volume of phishing attacks ever recorded. Protect your business with the Les Olson Security Suite from Les Olson IT. Learn more at lesolson.com. 
Thermo Fisher Scientific is hiring for their manufacturing, distribution, and warehouse team. And that's great news for anyone seeking a rewarding career. Thermo Fisher offers positions across multiple shifts, competitive compensation, health benefits, paid time off, bonuses, and an excellent work environment. Help Thermo Fisher make the world healthier, cleaner, and safer. Visit job.thermofisher.com and search Logan. Thermo Fisher Scientific is an equal opportunity employer. I'm here with Mark Anderson from Anderson Seed and Garden. Mark, can you tell us a little about your experience with ChemDry of Northern Utah? You know, our carpets get really dirty at Anderson Seed and Garden, and we clean every January. Our timing is, is kind of difficult. I called Daryl, and he was amazing to work around our schedule. They came in and cleaned our carpets. They looked like brand new when they were all done, and uh, they've just been amazing to work with. ChemDry of Northern Utah, ChemDry of Northern Utah. The Young Automotive Group is proud to announce Young Truck and Trailer Center in Cache Valley. Whether it's heavy equipment trailers, horse trailers, race car trailers, or cargo and utility trailers, we're excited to offer some of the finest trailers and flatbed work trucks to Cache Valley. Our team of experts look forward to helping you find the right truck or trailer to fit your needs. With competitive prices offered on every make and model for sale on our lot. With our extensive inventory, you'll find the best deals right here in Cache Valley. Young Truck and Trailer Center, just off Highway 89 in Logan. Think young, drive young. This is The Herd. Attention listeners. With Colin Cowherd. Dak Prescott makes $40 million a year, and it cannot beat good teams since his rookie year. Here is Dak Prescott versus playoff teams in his career. 12 and 21. What is he, Kirk Cousins on Monday Night Football? Oh, wait. That's actually what I've compared him to the last two years. This is The Herd. Weekdays from 10 to 1 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. The preseason poll for men's basketball is out. Just released today. Have you seen it? Have you looked at it? I have not. I'm looking it up right now. So don't look at it. it, I want to quiz you. Uh, Would you think there would be any schools from the Mountain West in the preseason top 25? Okay, well, you told me there was one. Oh, I did. I already know about the one. Okay, so I didn't tell you where they were, did I? I think you did. Oh, shoot. You mentioned they, where they were, so I think, unless you told me wrong, I think I know where they're at. I don't think anybody else would be in. I, I'm trying to think if anybody else would maybe get votes. I don't know if anybody else would get votes. Is there anybody getting votes? Okay, so San Diego State is ranked in the preseason poll. They come in at number 19. Yeah. The only school from the Mountain West in the top 25. There is one team more that received votes. Did not make the top 25, but did receive votes. See if I can guess it. I'm suddenly spacing on what teams are in the Mountain West now somehow. (laughs) Um, I'm not not surprised to see this team getting votes. Well, see, I'm not surprised once I hear it, but there's only two teams that are coming to my mind, and I don't feel like it's either one of them. It's, it's Boise State and Colorado State. I don't think it's either one of those. It's neither one of those. Oh, it's on. the University of Wyoming. Oh, Wy- yeah, that's, that's, that's the one I was forgetting. I was like, there's another team that's really good, and it's one that's 
not always good that that's the one probably largely due to they had a good year last year and they bring a lot of their guys back hunter maldonado had a chance to leave he decided to stay one more year because he had one more year and uh they they should have a really solid basketball team yeah they should be good maybe they'll challenge san diego state who knows it there's always a surprise somewhere in the mountain west one year was utah state other years has been Colorado State to a degree and Wyoming a bit last year. A number one, North Carolina with 47 first place votes. New head coach, relatively new head coach, I should say, not totally new. Uh, number two, Gonzaga with 12 first place votes. Houston at number three, they got one first place vote. And Kentucky at number four, but they got two first place votes. So kind of interesting how that worked out and then kansas and baylor tied at number five don't see that very often no uh so that's uh kind of your your top five plus one <laughs> of the ncaa <laughs> preseason men's basketball poll but san diego state not surprised to see them in the top 25 i kind of thought wyoming would be a little bit closer they received 25 first place or not 25 not 25 first place, first votes. place votes baby <laughs> 25 votes uh, which puts them in the mid thirties, I believe. So at least twenty five points, but twenty five points because there's only like. Well, it says others receiving votes, and then they put the numbers. Well, because they get but points. They point total for all the. They get yeah. points for where they get voted because there's only like sixty, like sixty something voters. Right, because it's weighted for every. Yeah, I think you get 25 for one, 24, so Just on Toledo, so Virginia Tech, Memphis, Notre Dame, and UAB all had received one point. Yeah. Which means Somebody put them at several 25. different people put them at number 25. Yeah. See, I think Wyoming, they'll sneak into the uh, – well, they'll get into the – I don't know if sneak's the right word, but they'll get into the top 25 at some point probably, so long as they have a decent non-conference stretch. Um, whether or not they'll stay there will be a completely different story. I think San Diego State will probably spend most of the year in the top 25, um, especially if they have a good non-conference stretch, in which case they won't fall too far if they stumble at some point in conference. So should see a couple of teams representing the Mountain West fairly well, and it could lead to a three- or four-bid league, depending on if you know some other teams behind them put up a good enough resume. Right, like San Diego State, Wyoming, they'll do well for the Mountain West. The question is who else can be there? Who else can strengthen the ca the cause for the Mountain West to be a multi-team or multi-bid league beyond just those two? Yeah. Will it be Boise? Will it be, uh, Colorado State be there? Although that's going to be tough for them. Roddy's gone. Isaiah Stevens looks like he's out for the year. It's not looking good for Colorado State. Is this year Nevada takes the a next step back closer to where they used to be? New Mexico, do they improve? UNLV always has talent, but they never really come through. Fresno State's had some moments. So, I mean, it's a good basketball league, but there's lots of ups and downs and teams on yo-yos, and it's hard to predict if anybody's going to be consistently good. Yeah, so I think there's potential to be a three-team league, so I think San Diego State and Wyoming will have a good enough um, to get an at-large. Maybe one of them wins the, the, uh, the tournament, and then there's potential for a third team to get an at-large. A four-team bid would have to be you get three at-large teams and somebody comes out of nowhere to win the Mountain West Tournament. Right. Somebody has to win the tourney. Yeah. So I think right now, the best-case scenario is probably a three-team league. Uh, two very likely to get in. It just depends if, like I said, there's other teams that 
Maybe. Maybe Utah State does it. Maybe Colorado State injury, <laughs> depending on how they handle the injuries. Maybe UNLV or New Mexico. So we'll see. There's a reason they play these games. We're only a few weeks away from the start of men's basketball, uh, first game in early November. Uh, that's going to do it for us here on the Full Court Press. Remember, you can go back and uh, check out our website, 1069thefan.com, to catch up on any past episodes, past audio, press conference audio being loaded as we speak. You can go back and listen to what Blake Anderson, Daniel Grishik, and Wade Meacham had to say earlier today about that win at Colorado State and getting ready for Wyoming.